Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about the Charlotte Regional Championships, the results from that event, and we'll also be looking forward to five different tournaments happening this coming weekend, both in this current format and in our future post-rotation format over in Asia. We'll be chatting about the end of TCGO with Scarlet and Violet cards coming out to the Pokemon Trading Card Game live this week, many people will be making the transition over. We'll chat about what you should do before you transition and just kind of our also thoughts about the whole situation and what's going on with everyone's favorite Pokemon card simulator, the Pokemon Trading Card Game Live. We'll have Guess That Flavor Text, of course, everyone's favorite segment of the cast. And we'll close out the episode by talking about um, a pretty serious situation of something that happened this weekend in Charlotte with a player being disqualified from the tournament. Um, all that and more on this week's episode. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul Gigi. What's up, Azul? How we doing? How's your week been, man? I'm pretty good. I just got back from Charlotte, like you, and I did manage to make day two, so back on my day two grind, I guess, at the very least, after I took a break <laughs> in Vancouver. You were um, in Vancouver? Uh, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, made day two. I was I was doing pretty good. I, I won the first two rounds in today too. I was like six one two, and then I had a loss against a Mew. The Mew matchup's pretty good uh, for the Lost Box deck that uh, me and the crew ran. But uh, yeah, after that loss, it kind of all went downhill from there. <clears throat> lost there. Then after that, I lost to uh, uh, Hedrick. So I can't be uh, can't be upset about losing to Hedrick. But still, you know, after that, kind of just all fell apart. Wasn't it's in a contention. Close matchup as well, right? Yeah, I had a game one didn't go too well for me. And game two, I was in like a really good spot, but like I prized Manaphy, couldn't find heavy ball. And then like at like the the turn before the last turn of the game, I just need to like hit a Colrus or a Birdkeeper to see some more cards to set up for a combo play on the next turn. And I whiffed and it was like um, my last turn of the game, I had three Colrus and a Birdkeeper still in my deck. And I was just like, bro, what is going on? <laughs> um, so, but yeah, after losing to the Mew on the third round of day two, that's where I kind of like felt like it just wasn't my day on that one. I just felt like... All right, if I can't put this win together, you know, what am I going to actually be able to put together from here? But if I think I've got, I've gotten that win, like a lot, the top tables were like mostly Mew. Uh, and then, of course, the Weezing E-Turns, which I don't think is actually like a bad matchup for Lost Box. It's a pretty close one, I feel like, overall. But it yeah, just kind of uh, kind of crumbled from uh, from that Mew loss from there. It felt like I don't know what uh, went on in that one. I think I could have played better into the game three, but it's whatever. <clears throat> got to play Lost Box again. It felt way better to be playing Lost Box than playing Lugia at vancouver um so yeah it was good to play again got one more event coming up of course here uh this coming weekend in fort wayne and then finally we'll be looking at head towards that rotation so i'm excited for that uh pokemon sent me some scarlet and violet stuff so already got some of the cards gonna be opening that tomorrow on stream probably starting to wrap the stream tomorrow um i guess it'll be today actually it'll be starting up the stream probably like uh four or five hours after this episode goes live on uh on uh oh, you're starting in the YouTube. morning huh yeah, probably around like 11, 10, between 10 and 11, probably my time, uh, West Coast time, Pacific time. So between 11, 10 and 11 Pacific time, we opened that on the stream. Also, going to be opening up some cards. Actually, I'm super excited to be opening also CGC graded some cards for me, some of my championship cards. And I haven't opened the package yet, so I'm excited to open those tomorrow. I'm oh, so you don't even know what stream, grade they got? Or today on stream, I guess. No, I don't even know what grade they got. Um, so I'm going to opening those as well today on stream a little bit later. So excited for that. But uh, yeah, overall... Feeling good. Excited to, for this last event. Um, what about you, Chip? How you feeling after Charlotte? 
I'm good. Yeah, Charlotte was great. Uh, it's pretty nice to be able to just drive to a tournament. You know, it's just a quick little two and a half hour drive. Yeah. Not too bad. Got home before one o'clock on Monday. Did stay the night Sunday still. But um, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we had Juancho Saldana on the cast for the first time. He absolutely crushed it. Shout outs to Primetime Wizard. Um, looking forward to having him on more events because he did a really good job. He and I are actually casting together in Fort Wayne this weekend. So looking forward to working with him hopefully we mesh together pretty well i usually do like color commentary like the analyst um when i'm paired with like boo or scarzig um and the only time i really get to do like the play-by-play commentary is when i'm with kyle Sablehouse for the most part um because he's like pretty much dedicated analyst slash color uh, but i actually prefer to do play-by-play so i'm pretty excited to get to do that because wancho i think is gonna be ro- rocking the analyst role um like the uh not analyst like the lounge host like analyst like you know with the commentary pair um (laughs) but yeah looking forward to it and it'll be fun pokemon also sent me some scarlet violet stuff etb booster box and a banner that i've got hanging up in the background as well uh and i'm not going to be opening up mine on stream so i thought you know while we're doing the podcast (laughs) i'm just gonna open up one little quick pack right here see if we get something hype (laughs) as we're going through the cast and show off the silver borders. It is the new era of Scarlet and Violet. I know, I guess this doesn't really make too much sense to do for a podcast, but uh, you know, people watching on video can see it. Yeah, if you listen, if you listen super hard, you can hear the silver borders. You can Um, hear the silver borders. ASMR. Dude, this is cringe. I'm just going to the end. I didn't get anything good. (laughs) I got a professor's research. (laughs) Hollow. There we go. You know, a playable card. How do they look though? How do they look? They look good. They look good. I'm a fan of the hollow pattern uh, as well. Like the fact that the border itself is hollow is super sick for sure. Oh, and I think yeah. that this, uh, I just opened up the ETB. Yeah, the ETB also has a full art promo card in it, which looks really cool. I'm going to ride on because I got the violet um, ETB. I think Azul also got the violet ETB, right? Yeah, the purple one. Is it? That's the violet one, right? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Violet is kind of like, you know, a purple yeah. color, right? Purple, yeah. But yeah, thanks yeah. to Pokemon for hooking us up. I uh, love that they're supporting the podcast slash like content and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I guess they send it to me for the podcast as well for his content or maybe a little of both. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, we really appreciate it and love chatting about the new cards, getting our hands on the cards a little early. Um, but yeah, the cards, can... I'm actually curious. Do the cards like feel exactly the same besides the yes. silver border? Uh, yeah, exactly. I've actually messed with them a little bit already. We opened up some this weekend for some segments backstage. We did a build and battle kit on the stream, uh, like a, a pre-release battle between two casters. And yeah, the quality is like, like if I, I've got a random card here, like they feel the same when I'm just kind of like flipping two cards between my hands, a silver border and a yellow yeah. border card feels the same to me. So just has a silver border. That's like the just has the silver border. Okay. Yeah, that would be pretty rough, honestly, if it felt like it was a different card stock quality. Because yeah, I don't know if they could really. They can't. Re- can they ever do that? Could they ever no, make a switch? No shot, right? If it seems like it, unless it was possible. like a massive rotation, right? Yeah. Um, like I played. Um, I don't know if you've played this at all yet, but I played One Piece this weekend, the TCG with Jeremy for the first time. He's like super big into it and he taught me how to play. And those cards are super thick, like yeah. super, super thick, like impossible to riffle shuffle thick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I and I was not a huge fan, of, honestly, of just how the cards felt. The game was actually pretty fun, but how the cards felt was not <laughs> I was not a fan of. So I think Pokemon's got the perfect card stock 
quality, even if it's not like the highest level quality, I think it's like for something you're playing with is it just feels right almost. Yeah. Yeah, I played a little. I never. I didn't try and riffle shuffle any. I played a little One Piece. I haven't tried to riffle shuffle it at all though, so I don't. I don't know that. Uh, <laughs> they did feel thicker though. I like. I did thinking at the thinking back to it. They did kind of feel a little bit thicker. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead. Let's get uh, right into it. I'm talking about Charlotte results to begin with. Not going to spend too much time talking about it. Um, we'll just try and look at the top. And we only really have the less lists on the list from the top finishers. So Aiden with the E turn wheezing takes it all down. Um, and Multiple people reminded me <laughs> that in last week's episode, I was like, Etern Weezing is a terrible deck. Don't play it. And then it goes ahead and wins the event. But you know what? I do like being wrong because if I knew everything, then Pokemon <laughs> wouldn't be very fun. So Etern Weezing is probably a little bit better than I give it credit for. Uh, what do you think, though, Chip? Yeah, I think it is hilarious because, like, you went out of your way to say yeah. that we, like, I wasn't even going to bring Weezing up as a deck play at all, which also, I guess, would equally have been bad that we didn't talk about it and it won the tournament but i wasn't even going to bring it up and you were like before we move on i just need to say wheezing is terrible <laughs> and nobody should play it e-turn e wheezing is terrible and then yeah not only did it win the event but it was two of them in top eight aiden and then also jose marzan and they actually played the mirror match in uh in top eight as well which was pretty entertaining i watched a little bit of that one play out um be the next BDIF we could have seen if they were just on different sides of the bracket could have seen a wheezing wheezing finals or each that would have been wild yeah that would have been <laughs> wild it was so funny because i asked jeremy jeremy's played a lot of e-turn wheezing and i was like do we because when we were picking a match for top eight it was like we saw the wheezing mirror we we're like i mean do we ever take the wheezing mirror for top eight and jeremy was like it's going to be a 75 minute one game that's what he thought and they played a full mm -hmm. three games and we're done in like 55 minutes or something like that so I don't know exactly. It just like if it didn't play out how it was meant to, or if the players just went for different strategies and what Jeremy would have thought they would have gone for. But um Yeah, you still have to set up an E turn, right? And then you have gusts to bring up yeah. the E turn, then go to your E turn yeah. and then And honestly, it was kind of wild too. Jose so Jose got donked in game one because he went first, started coughing or zigzagoon or something and passed, and Aiden hit turn one, dark patch onto a crowbat, attach return switch knockout with with a uh, darkness fang or whatever crowbat's attack is poison fang maybe and um then game two was a bit longer jose won game three jose opened up with like it was like he started drapion and then his hand was like double boss double e-turn v max dark patch big parasol like just unplayable junk and then <laughs> drew a, like a basic pokemon benched it past and then somehow almost came back into the game, like almost actually came back. Um, I think it came down to like Aiden drawing a gust off of a judge or something like that with a full bench. I don't remember exactly, to be honest, but it was something like that. And uh, Aiden was able to get there. But yeah, it was a, a pretty interesting weekend as well. Not only was there a couple of E-turn in top eight, um, there's also only a couple of Lugia in top eight, just two Lugias not like the five or six that we've been seeing the last few <laughs> tournaments. Uh, I mean, if, if you didn't know much about this format and you just saw this top eight bracket, you'd be like, okay, seems like a pretty healthy and diverse metagame. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just saw it at Utrecht, right? Then we just see similar, only one Lugia in top eight at Utrecht. Yeah. True. Um, and then we were kind of like questioning, would this be the bounce back tournament from, uh, from that? Cause at Vancouver, we saw six uh, in top eight, I believe if I remember correctly. Yeah. So six in top eight of Vancouver. 
Um, but not the bounce back tournament Lugia was looking for. Still two in top eight, which isn't like bad, right? Uh, but with how heavily it's played uh, and how many good players play it, you'd expect it. You still would have expected maybe a little bit more, but we kind of see that up and down, right? Like we see six in top eight and then one in top eight, two in top eight. Um, and everyone is kind of leaning on these decks that are like kind of counter decks, right? The Etern Weezing. We also see uh, a Vika Vault in the top eight as well. Uh, the Mew deck that Rowan played did have the Aerodactyl. The Lost Box deck that Justin played did have the Aerodactyl. And then Reggie's has been a deck that people and like sometimes feel like is favored against Lugia. I think it's slightly unfavored. But one card that I actually think helps that matchup quite a bit is actually the Bad Drago. Because one of your best attackers as Lugia against Reggie's is Lugia V. <laughs> you can't attack with Lugia V if it's going to get one hit KO'd by the Dragon Energy attack on the Bad Drago. So... Uh, the bad Reggie Drago. So I think that actually is like a big help in the in that Lugia matchup for for Reggie's. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's probably the one unique card in this list. I would say, uh, other than that, it's like very similar to what we've seen from like Rahul, right? What he's kind of been playing most of this format yep. uh, does have the second energy lotto in here, one Serena, one Boss for the gusting cards. But other than that, pretty straightforward. Um, and I think Charlie posted his results on Facebook and he did go five and zero versus Lugia. So yeah. I don't know if that's on the back of the Reggie um, Drago or what, maybe just a combination of things. Yeah. I mean, the matchup isn't like, or... yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think a lot even... of people don't know how to play the matchup actually, even sure. without the bad Drago existing. Like a lot of people don't know you're only supposed to attack with Lugia in the matchup. If yeah. that's, if that's if you play Dunsparce Manaphy, but if you're not playing Dunsparce Manaphy, you have to like work on your list to begin with. <laughs> um <laughs> so um yeah get the Dunsparce Manaphy in there and then realize oh wait they can't want it KO Lugia and then start attacking with Lugia but then the Bad Drago yeah the Bad Drago is kind of answers that so anyone that uh Charlie went up against I'm sure knew the matchup a little bit better that was definitely would be a surprise right You're like oh attack yeah. with my Lugia V I get my knockout I get to attack next turn if they attack me at the Red Jice, I get to evolve to the V Star and then like all right ba Bad Drago won it KO and then there's up on the prize trade and potentially just can't lose the game from there yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure he probably surprised several people with that. And it's also like, I mean, if you can get the triple Aurora down, that's like the best turn one attacker because it just KOs yeah. anything. Yeah, it's like good well. against uh, the Duraldon matchup for the same reason. Yeah. They they keep yeah. the Duraldon as the V. Then you go like Path plus Drago knockout. And also, I wonder like, if that even... that probably is the main reason he played the card as well. I mean, it is good against Lugia, be, but yeah. like uh, with Duraldon seeing a expected uptick in play and like kind of that strategy now being known out there, right, of what the Duraldon wants to do in the matchup is just go attack with the Duraldon V, not even put yeah. the VMAX in play. People kind of know that strat now because we saw Grant Shen do it versus Rahul on the stream. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean that that could be another big reason, especially with Duraludon yeah. just winning. And Duraludon did have a huge uptick in play as well. We don't have the meta chart to pull up right here, but um, I but think also, it was uh, was up to like nine percent or something like that. It gives you a chance against Gudra as well, which is also like another deck that was like definitely seeing some hype after Utrecht with three of them in top eight, um, zero in top eight in this tournament. But yeah, that's like another card that gives you. I still think you you're pretty unfavored against Gudra, but it gives you like a chance, right? Yeah. Um, get in a there. Prayer. You're doing for what? You're doing 160. I don't know. You still need to come up with like 110 damage, which you can't really come up with. But it gives you a it gives you a chance. I think I think it gives you a chance. Just Drago maybe. into Drago, maybe it's tough. It's tough. <laughs> yeah, because you got to route it back and like get it back. But for the other match, those other matchups we mentioned though, it is pretty. Uh, it is pretty solid. And actually, even up against Mew, to be honest, you don't really have a good way to want to KO Genesect sometimes. So, like, that's even, like, a good attacker to, like, KO Genesect. Yeah, you trying sure. to stall for a turn. So. Yeah, especially if they put Oricorio in play, which they probably will in that matchup. Yeah. Some some Genesects don't have Oricorio now. 
um, or some eugenics decks, I should say. But yeah, that's a good point as well. Uh, and then probably the most unique deck in top eight, I guess, unless you're counting Etern Weezing as a unique deck. Like I would say, no, probably not at this point, it's right? Established. Um, but probably the most unique deck is Justin Bakari's Aerodactyl Lost Box deck. Now, this is something that I think got a little bit of talk in the week leading up to the tournament. I feel like it did well in an online event or something like that, right? Um, yeah. So this kind of got on the map. It is basically just like a turbo lost zone deck, right? With the double lost vacuum, the double force seal. So it's like a turn one attack with Dragonite V deck, but it also has an Aerodactyl V star line in here. Yeah. So this is Victor's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's Victor's list as well. Like, I think J- Justin just got this list from Victor. Um, I think so, yeah. I was talking to Victor before the event or whatever and got it from Victor. So yeah, Victor won the late night tournament the, the week before this tournament um and yeah victor also was playing turbo turbo lost box at orlando region i lost to victor at orlando playing turbo lost box um so victor's been on the turbo turbo lost box stuff for a while it seems and now putting aerodactyl in there to kind of just give you a different route in the lugia matchup if you go first you just turn to aerodactyl v star uh and if you go second you look for that turn one attack with the zero aura to like ko like a lone lugia um, whether it be in the active or you can escape up to the active or, you know, even Dragon, I can get involved if they get like the Dunsparce in play. Um, <clears throat> I'd imagine if they have like a, uh, if like Lugia has like a turn one where they get a bunch of basics down, probably going to be in trouble. But like Aerodactyl is still even good outside. Like if you go first against Mew and turn to Aerodactyl and Mew. Yeah. I don't think they can do anything. <laughs> you shut off all their Genesex. Unless yeah. I have like triple tablet that turn to respond to the Mew VMAX, they're going to be in trouble. Um, it's and also good against like, uh, uh, what was I going to say? Arctura as well. It's probably good against Arctura. Yeah, it's also an attacker that one hit KOs Eternatus VMAX, right? So for this tournament yeah. specifically, you know, maybe not the worst thing to have. Yeah, pretty good tool to have in the back pocket <laughs> just in case you go up against a new turn. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely a cool deck. We got to see it in action a little bit in uh, top eight. Justin got to be on the stream. We were trying to stream him a little earlier in the day, but our pairings never quite worked out the way we wanted to. But yeah, we got him up there for top eight since it was uh, kind of a more unique build. Super cool to watch it play out. Um, and then other than that, I mean, we see a Mew in top eight. Uh, Rowan, I think, did post his list over on Twitter. I'll see if I can find it real quick. There wasn't anything crazy in there. He did only play three Cram-O-Matic, uh, I saw, which is always a funny choice for me to uh, notice from a Mew player. But I don't know what your opinions are on the <laughs> the three Cram-O-Matics. Uh, I mean, if you if you if all the other cards that like guaranteed do things you feel like are necessary, then it's probably correct. I guess like the one thing to think about, like you are playing Rotom phones in the deck still. Mm-hmm. So, like when it is a cram out, what is better? Cramatic or Rotom phone? Because I feel like one of them has to be better and then should be maxed out. Right. But maybe it's like a balance of just enough cards to help you thin out those uh, thin out dead cards in your hand, which like Cramatic thins out Battle of VIP pass. And if three is enough to do that, then a card that has a more guaranteed effect like a Rotom phone is better for consistency at that point. I don't know. Um, that's like where I could see the line kind of being drawn. It's like, okay, three thins out our hand this percentage of the time, which means then Rotom Phone becomes better after that, and then three is the number of the Cramatic to do that. But yeah, generally it's like you max cramps first, then the Rotom Phone comes second. But I could see there being a point where you stop doing cramps and start adding phones, and it could be at three. Yeah, and definitely needing the phones in this version with the, the Aerodactyl. You, it does feel like when you have a non-Fusion Strike Pokemon in there, you just Rotom Phone almost feels necessary. Yeah, uh, extra just, consistency, extra reach makes sense. Yeah, when you don't, yeah, when you're drawing one less card off your Genesis, which hurts quite a bit. And it's more than one less card, right? Because it's like one less card 
three times yeah. a turn. Yeah, and like if that one less card isn't an ultra ball, then you're drawing the ultra ball late, which means it like kind of compiles, to be honest. Like you could have drawn one card deeper and that card was an ultra ball, then your next Shadow Shock draws that much more and so on and so forth. So it does kind of build up pretty fast. It like definitely is a difference. Like after actually having tested some games with the Aerodactyl Mew, like only having five fusion Pokemon in play, yeah, like it starts to hit pretty hard pretty fast. Oh yeah, one thing uh I did want to talk about as well in regards to Charlotte was um apparently uh people are allowed to wear like their jerseys and stuff on the stream now that was something that happened this weekend is like people who were part of teams that had jerseys um went up on stage and they you know in the past have been told that they have to uh wear one of the play pokemon shirts one of the ones that azul is wearing right here he has i'm sure quite the collection of <laughs> play pokemon shirts from the last few years um but yeah, that's a, apparently not a thing anymore. People are allowed to wear their jerseys for their sponsors, their, the card shops they're representing, or the teams they are representing, um, from what I understand, at least. And I think it is a case-by-case -case basis, so uh, I don't think like you should walk up to the stream with your shirt and 100% expect it to be able to be on the stream. But um, I think from the way it was explained to me, and like I don't speak for Pokemon or anything like that, this is just kind of how I understand it to be um it's like if you're wearing just like a brand on your shirt like if you're wearing like a polo or a nike shirt they will probably still cover that up like either with a piece of tape or give you a shirt um but if you are where like if azul's there wearing his full grip games or cgc trading cards jersey or shirt uh he will be allowed to wear it onto the um onto the stage so it's uh which is a great thing to see honestly like that's a solid step for like this being more of a i mean for more sponsors right to potentially get into the game people to like yeah. uh because that's like one of the things whenever sponsors you know are willing to pay to have players wear their jersey at a tournament it's like one of their hopes is that oh it'll be seen by people watching the live stream right yeah and i'm actually like uh, i've like talked about this before i was like it's only it's kind of one of those things where it's like a matter of time and if it's not a matter of time, then the game's gonna gonna be dying. Like it's one of those things where it's like for the game to get bigger and better, or like kind of stay plateaued, right? For the game to get yeah. bigger and better, this is one of those things that naturally had to happen. Because I even remember, I remember this is like one example that I kind of bring up back in the way back in the day. I remember watching uh, MLG tournaments, and even back then, um, the only like sponsor stuff that was allowed on the stages at the MLG tournaments were the sponsors of the tournaments. So if like if there was any players sponsored by like any other outside sponsor outside of like the, the MLG's sponsors, you weren't allowed to have those kind of like products or jerseys or anything on the uh on the stage so like <clears throat> everything grows um and it's kind of like feels like this is maybe like a natural starting point for some stuff um pokemon i think is a little bit of a different of a situation because it's more so pokemon trying to protect their brand as opposed to mm -hmm. having like any kind of sponsor conflicts um but like yeah for natural growth of things to become bigger in this kind of competitive scene in just like the world then like, yeah, eventually you're going to want to be able to have you know sponsored players or competitors whatever they're sponsored by be able to have that image on the stream or the logo or the brand or whatever to give incentive for outside brands and stuff to put money into the game through other means right so it was kind of one of those things that would just like kind of naturally have to happen um and i've always talked about it before and i'd be like this has to happen eventually they'll have to allow you know jerseys uh from players for their sponsor teams or whatever it'll have to happen eventually or like that's one of those things that'll like kind of uh speak towards the game just going to forever kind of be plateaued in that kind of sense but yeah it's cool to see them finally doing it um of course it's pokemon so it took forever but and who knows like <laughs> who knows how long it'll be until like kind of the next step happens um but yeah it's cool to see for sure finally 
So let's go over what predictions we made on last week's episode for Charlotte and see how right or how wrong we were. One of the, I mean, our kind of go-to prediction for this format has been <laughs> over under Lugia in cut. And we put the over under at uh, 4.5. So um, Azul took the under less than 4.5 and I took the over and Azul did get it right for this one. Like we mentioned, only two Lugia in top cut. Only two. Yeah. So we were. Uh, oh, that we're was a lot. There. To, yeah, we were, we were split. Wasn't where we were, I, forgot, I was going somewhere with that and then I completely just go ahead. Go back. Go ahead. Shit. It's all you <laughs> all <right. laughs> take the reins. Next prediction uh, was what who would the best finishing Reggie player be and or not who, but what what placement would the best finishing Reggie player have? And we uh, neither of us really liked Reggie a lot this weekend. And yeah. I think that was also represented 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 <laughs> by uh it's decrease in play it did go down from vancouver it was like nine percent in vancouver and i think it was down to like four ish yeah. in charlotte day one it did go up a little bit day two i think it like took the fifth spot as opposed to the sixth in day two um oh, there was also from, there was also from utrecht had to leave you like a little scared to play reggie going into this weekend <laughs> yeah. right and that's kind of both of our mindsets i think um but i think uh yeah kerr found the the hidden the hidden card needed to like keep it keep it around keep it alive with the the bad drago yeah and azul predicted top 32 i predicted top 16 so i was closer but neither <laughs> of us predicted a top cut let alone a second place finish and honestly something that i mean very easily reggie's could have won this event uh i don't know if i think i talked to you about this as well because I don't, I don't remember you said i think you said you didn't watch the finals yet but uh <laughs> in game three kerr prized three path to the peak so my gosh <laughs> the tem the temple of Sinnoh just <clears throat> stayed in play the entire game yeah and he could not attack <laughs> and i'd have to actually play the matchup but i would predict it to be favored for reggie's if only maybe yeah. slightly but there's a lot of things going on the wheezing slows you down and then e-turn swinging Plus, uh, Judge Sinnoh sounds like a little bit tough to deal with. Your gift energy is not proccing and stuff like that. But I think, uh, but like going back, Reggie's, they got Pat to the Peak, which is on your Crobat. It's a big part of the draw engine in Eternatus. So I think uh, if I had to predict the matchup overall, you know, thousand games, I would say Reggie comes out on top by a little bit. But yeah, I'm not surprised to see that Eternatus took the dub over it in the end for sure. Yep. I mean, ability lock is pretty strong. So congrats again to Aiden Coos on the win his first major win i'm pretty sure right yeah uh, at least in had, uh i think he had Masters. a good finish at no i thought he had a good finish at one of the um the open tournaments this year but no yeah his first big finish as a masters division player yeah yeah because so i think aiden's been playing i've <clears throat> been playing for a little while yeah for seniors sure. division maybe juniors so that wraps up charlotte but we do have five tournaments this weekend like we mentioned we've got yeah um I saw this tweet someone put out that had all of the tournaments happening this weekend. Yeah, Simply TCG posted and said five regionals this weekend. I think they're being streamed apart from the Philippines. Have to check. Links coming tomorrow. Uh, and the five tournaments are Sydney in Australia, Fort Wayne in Indiana, where Azul and I will both be. There's a tournament in the Philippines, a tournament in Hong Kong, and a Champions League uh, Miyagi in Japan. So... Really excited to see what's going to happen in the Philippines, Hong Kong, and Miyagi because those tournaments will be in the next format, in the post-rotation yep. format, um, which honestly I'm way more excited for than the tournament I'm going to this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Just seeing new Pokemon cards, and I think a lot of people are excited for that. Just, I mean, 
I, I've talked to a lot of people this weekend who are like just talking about being ready to be done with this format. And I like, I don't think this is a terrible format. It's not the best. It's pretty but bad. I don't think it's terrible. It's, I think it's <laughs> leagues better than our NAIC format last year where there really was three decks. That was pretty bad. Right? Yeah. This like Lugia is obviously the dominant deck. And I think any format that has a 25 plus percent deck every tournament is going to be difficult for it to feel super super fun but uh, once you get past that 25 percent, i mean there's like six decks that are relatively viable i mean we just had eternatus win a regional championships right it's like there is much more to this format than just lugia this format is not terrible i think part of the reason it feels so terrible though is just because we have had it for six months at this point it's just too much yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's part of it. Yeah, because Crown Zenith, if Crown Zenith had just shaken things up, at least to the point where maybe Lugia was like a 15% deck or something like that. But yeah, it didn't really change anything. All, all it did was really give Lost Box Sky Sealstone, right? Is that like the only thing that changed? <laughs> I think that's the only thing that changed. Yeah, it was Amazenta. 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 Yeah, it was literally two cards for like Lost Box, and that's literally it. So R.I.P. Radiant Eternatus. <laughs> yeah, dude, we were so hyped for that card too. We were hyping yeah. that one up. There was mm-hmm. someone in day two of Charlotte with Radiant Eternatus in their deck. Oh, I remember oh, walking yeah, that's by right, yeah. and, and seeing an, an Eternatus hitting the field, and I was like kind of hyped for it, but they didn't. I was sitting next best. to them the last round of the last round of Swiss Day One. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I was sitting next to them the last round of Day One, um, and you were popping off. Intern. You were so hyped, right? <laughs> <laughs> Internal. Well, it doesn't. It, the only thing they have in there is a flying Pikachu, though. That's the only thing they have. They have one flying Pikachu V Max. It's just for attacking in the Reggie matchup because they're they're playing. I mean, the deck gets a little bit special. It's an amazing Rushy Ram deck. Oh, okay. It also has Radiant Eternatus because they have the same energy types to attack with. Yeah. And they play it does like 200 damage. Like for a one prize yeah. attacker, it's not the Reggie, worst. For the Reggie matchup, Reggie can't knock it out because it has 170 HP. So they have no way to KO it. So you get there, sit there and swing pri- twice with a one prizer in the matchup. Unless they have the bad Drago. Unless they have the bad Drago. Charlie came prepared for <laughs> the Radiant Eternatus <laughs> lost boxing matchup. We didn't even know it. We oh didn't gosh, even insane. know. It. Um, That's like teching for your friend in the car that you rode to the tournament with, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we want to spend too much time talking about. I like. I don't think there's really anything to talk about about the uh, at least these format tournaments. And we don't have to because we have played zero games of the the new format. I mean, do you have any any thoughts on Fort Wayne and uh, Sydney regionals this weekend? I mean, I, I think. Think Eternatus will be a bit more of a consideration for players, yeah. and it'll probably it could actually have... be like a. Do you think it'll break into the? That's one thing we can actually predict, right? Will Eternatus be on the format breakdown on the stream? You think it'll be? Yeah, there? I think so because usually the the cutoff to be on there is like right around four to five percent, um, and I think it, you know, winning and like being an interesting deck that is not Lugia that can beat. If it draws well enough, it can beat all the other decks, which is probably a bad yeah, mentality like to have, everything. right? Yeah, because yeah, I mean, technically any deck that draws well enough can beat anything, right? <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah it, it literally it, can. It doesn't have like a bad matchup, I don't think. Like Lost Box matchup, fine. Reggie matchup, fine. Mew matchup is fine. Lugia matchup is fine. Some yeah, of them no, might be like, slightly unfavored, slightly favored, but... Um... Yeah, it, it feels like a deck that has a lot of like 55-45s and 45-55s, right? Like across the board. Yeah. Um, nothing that's it, it has very little that's like 70 30. Yeah. Can beat the Arcturus and the Gudras as well. Like those aren't bad matchups. Um, so yeah, I do expect to see it have an uptick in play. And I could even see it being like fourth or 
fifth most popular, probably more like fifth, but um, I think it would be hard for it to overtake. Well, I mean, I think it's definitely not going to overtake Lost Box, <laughs> Mew, or Lugia, right? Like those three will be the top three for sure. I can see Lost Box making its way out of the top three uh, in this next one. I don't know. I mean, what was it added? It, it was so on the down now. This it's been on the, the downswing. But this is the last tournament in the format. And so many people who are going to this tournament, like, I think there's going to be, like, probably close to 1,200 Masters at this one. <laughs> I would guess that, like, yeah. 800 of those people know what they're playing right now, you know? Probably, like, yeah. Uh, and, and, like, they probably made – and there's probably, like, 500 of them that have known what they were playing for, like, two weeks, right? Like, people have made their decision, maybe just want to change a card or two. Um, like, people are at the end of the format here – They've tested a deck for a long time. They're going to stick with what they know for, for a lot of people. Um, I guess maybe, I, I don't know, I, I guess I could ask you as well as, like, does your mentality change at all going into a tournament like this where it's the last tournament of the format? Is there anything? Do you ever have a thought of, like, I want to try this before it's not good anymore or, like, before rotation happens, this idea could be fun? Do you have any thoughts like that? Like, one last hoorah? type of event not, not really but there's a couple people in the group who have that those kind of thoughts and i gotta keep everyone on track i think i did kind of have those thoughts uh, a couple tournaments ago um but i'm trying to be as um as disciplined with you know sticking to the process even if it is the 10th tournament in the same format um there's no reason to um <clears throat> no reason to give up on the process as long as it keeps working um, and if it's not working, you know, just find the flaws of where it's not working. Just kind of improve on it. So, yeah, I think uh, I mean, I've had those thoughts before and I can definitely see how a lot of people I think a, lot, a decent amount of people will have those thoughts, like more so than the average going into this tournament because the format's been so long. It's like, dude, Radiant Eater or Eater and Weezing just looks like fun. I was going to play Lugia, but then I have to play Lugia. I'm just going to play, you know, Eater exactly. and Weezing after seeing it win Charlotte. Right? I think a lot more people, there's a higher percentage of that than there normally is at tournaments going into these, maybe even into Charlotte itself as well. And going into this last week as well, where people are just like, screw it. I'm just going to play the the cool fun deck. I'm not going to run the Lugia again or the lost box or the Mew again. I'm just going to do something cool and fun and different. Cause I'm just so tired of this format. And I just want to, you know, have more fun with it. Especially if people who have gone to already a couple major tournaments in this format, for sure. Probably have that, have that feeling. But even if you're just sitting at home and, you know, grinding PDCG ladder, you can only do that so much as well. So yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more, a little bit more off the wall stuff for sure. Uh, I'm going to try and try and stay true to the process. Uh, me and my group generally follow, though. So hopefully we don't roll up with Eater and Weezing, but you never know. So we mentioned three of the tournaments. I think the Philippines tournament will be in the poster. I actually don't know for sure. I'm it might sure be our it current. Because yeah. they're under Pokemon Asia, right? Like they're, they're, they're run by like their tournament circuit is run by the pokemon company not the pokemon company international so i think it should be post rotation um we've seen a couple tournaments so far the champions league in aichi with over three thousand players and then a regional league within bangkok uh thailand with about 500 players the results from both of the tournaments i mean it's a lot of lost box a lot a lot of lost box and then the lugia archaeops like single strike deck has been doing pretty decently um as well is there anything you like hope to see from the tournaments this weekend in the post rotation format or do you think we should expect to see more of what we've seen so far uh maybe a little bit of a mix mix up i don't know what do you think i want to see a lot of decks that do well <clears throat> that beat lost box because from what i've heard lost box is like by far in the way the bdif like it's not even close um so hopefully there's some decks out there that can add some hard counters and can deal with it 
Uh, I mean, or we, there's some a card in Scarlet and Violet, right? Like the Klefki in Scarlet yeah, and Violet. What are you putting that with? <laughs> That's the thing, right? It's like, the, but it's like a basic Pokemon that is so good against it's Lost good. Box, right? It slows them down so much. I got it's four just, escape rope, though. You need two. You need two. Yeah, I and mean, you have two Klefki in play. <laughs> And then they draw a boss, and then they, then you're done. <laughs> like it just, it, yeah. Lost Box seems by far and away to be the BDIF. Like it doesn't even seem close from what I've been hearing on Twitter and the likes. And it kind of makes sense, right? Pretty good deck. Didn't lose very much. Super versatile. Sableye is like I think keeping Guardy down big time. I think Guardy would be having a lot better time if Sableye did not exist. But that seems to be giving Guardy some big trouble. So. Just yeah, I just like to see Lost Box not do very well. Like maybe one in top sixteen, and there's be a bunch of like because that's what you want to see. You want to see the meta evolve around the BDIF and be like, oh, or like what is perceived as the BDIF. It's like okay, nothing's checking Lost Box right now, so of course it's going to be doing super well. But when all these decks include some checks for Lost Box, can it still compete? And that's what we kind of seen in the past over the last year, the last format and a half. It's like okay, the the Mews and the Lugias and the Palkias. It doesn't matter how much you try and check them; they're still 50-50 against all the decks that are supposed to beat them, right? So hopefully that's not the same with this Lost Box situation arising in the Scarlet Violet format already. So the Champions League actually happened first. So I would imagine the players who were playing in Bangkok probably looked at these results, right, and recognized, okay, Lost Box is going to be good, and we see a deck that there's three of in this top 16 that there was none of in Aichi. And that's uh, Arceus Giratina, right? And mm -hmm. is that a reaction to Lost Box? You know, I mean, I guess in theory, right? Arceus has a lot of HP, really efficient attacker, not the easiest for Lost Box to necessarily deal with and knock out. And you have Sharon's Carrot to get some healing in there. Um, it did obviously lose to it in the finals. And I know you watched, uh, did you watch all of this tournament from Bangkok? No, I only watched uh, a little bit. Um, I watched a little bit of what you were watching on your stream, but you watched more than I did. Um, and I remember seeing a little bit of this deck. The, the, Arceus, yeah, the, the Arceus decks in general were popping up. There's Arctina, Argudra, Arc Fire stuff. There was a lot of Arceus. So, I mean, would you think that that is a potential reaction to the Lost Box? Um, do you think like on paper that seems like a decent idea for people to try to lean into if Lost Box is so, so good? Well, it can't be that good of an answer because there were still three Lost Box in top four. <laughs> <laughs> so this could just be a case of this Arceus team of player drew hotter than everyone else. They don't, they don't even have any healing um, in their build. Oh, but maybe they're just, maybe the they are just a couple healing cards away from being able to compete with it consistently, right? Because it did lose to it in the finals. It did beat one in top four guaranteed. Um, uh, we could take a look at the other list as well. There's a couple chance care and some of the other builds though. So yeah, that definitely seems like it might be enough to kind of deal with the lost box decks. Uh, and it's actually curious, these lost box builds, at least two of them. Let me check this third one real fast in top four. Uh, yeah, none of them have the, wait, does Dragon Dragonite doesn't rotate, right? It doesn't. It doesn't, no. Yeah, there's no Dragonites actually, which is interesting. Because that's definitely a big game changer in that matchup because it can hit Arceus so hard or hit Tina so hard after like a Sableye or a Crampoke or something, right? I wonder if so, Dragonite is like randomly hard to get there. I could see that possibly being the thing. I've, but when I was watching the stream, everyone had it on in the stream games. Everyone had oh, the dragon. Okay. okay, if you look at some of the lists a little bit lower, though, the Dragonites are back. Um, yeah, the Dragonites <laughs> are one back. thing I got to point out, though, this Lost Box list, is this the one that got first? Yeah. yeah, this is the one that got first. It plays Halucha, but you have no way to search Halucha to, like, put it in play. I mean, it's just a mirror match tech, right? You'll eventually get it to KO2 Comfy. You just eventually draw it? Yeah, okay, we'll sure. get there. <laughs> okay, okay. It's just funny. Yeah, they have the Raihan. They do have one way. <laughs> one way to search it or clara yeah. you know you just find a way to discard it and then yeah boom he's back i don't i don't hate this 
Um, no, Halucha will probably see like more play, of course, going forward because I think it's a good, good near match, good right? It's a good card. Um, I mean, plus twenty damage when you have a save lies like that's like a lot of stuff you can kind of set up and play around. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I don't think Arctina seems like a good enough answer, uh, especially because like the the they got like Zapdos, Dragonite, like they have ways to hit around the uh kind of what you're doing as the the arc player like trying to by trying to make the big pokemon and you're just faster and more aggressive as the lost box player but it'd be cool if the arceus decks can kind of you know uh are a little bit better than or, or stand up and have a favorable matchup to the lost one decks that's like cool that we like to see that kind of meta kind of evolve because arceus is still a really strong card right we even see it pop up now and then in the current format where lugia is like the the number one number one dog um, and we even still have Dunsparce after rotation as well, right? So weakness right. is not a thing that Arceus needs to be scared of. Like, that's, mm-hmm. that's something like if all of a sudden your answer to Arceus is fighting type, Arceus can just throw in a Dunsparce or even two if they really need it to to answer that. So, no, it's cool. And hopefully that hopefully the meta keeps evolving and it's not just like Lost Box is the number one deck and then everyone else is kind of scrambling uh, between each other to try and come up with like a decent deck to try and beat each other. So I'm going to open another pack. <laughs> Is that something we good? get? Doesn't look Absolutely like it. Nothing. I got a beach court. That's pretty good. That is a good card. That's a good one. Beach court's very good. Oh, and an ultra ball. Let's go. Pal pad. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we can move on to um, yeah. I mean, I think the, the big story there is just like I, th- I think the majority of people are just excited for rotation. Um, and we'll be looking and keeping our eye on the results from that tournament and talk about it on next week's podcast. Five tournament results to talk about next week is all. Are you excited? Well, I, I think we could just like, we'll just congratulate the winners from Fort Wayne and Sydney. Congratulations. <laughs> and then we'll talk about the the other three results as long as we get all the information on them. Because it took a little while for I think even Limitless to put up this page on the tournament in uh, Bangkok. So, yeah, we'll see. Let's move on and talk about everyone's favorite tcg client tcg live that will be not fully it's still beta right we're still in beta it's not fully releasing actually i don't know yeah did it fully release no the beta fully released right yeah but the current battle pass on tcg live is called like the beta right so it's like the beta battle pass um um is this a global release? How do we not? I don't think so. This is not. How the do we global. not? We, know I this. think we would know. I don't think it's a global release. The, oh, the thing that the thing that's happening is Scarlet Violet is coming out, and it is coming out on PTCG Live. No, it's not a global release. The only thing that's happening is this week on Thursday, Scarlet and Violet, the the Scarlet and Violet set will be coming out on PTCG Live, but will not be coming out on PTCGO. But PTCGO will not be shutting down. And PTCG Live will not even be having its global release yet. So neither of those things are happening. PTCGO will still be usable till who knows when. They haven't actually told us when PTCGO is shutting down. Um, but I'm sure it'll... Um, yeah, so we don't know when PTCGO is shutting down. We just know it's going to be eventually. Um, and you should be, have a decent amount of warning before it shuts down. So you, if you really don't want to migrate to PTCG Live on Thursday when Scarlet and Violet comes out, you don't have to. You can just wait until you have to for whatever reason. If you want to get your account in a better situation to to uh, <laughs> migrate or whatever, you can wait. Um, but yeah, Scarlet Violet's coming out on PTCG Live, but not PTCGO. No more new updates. No more new cards are coming to PTCGO. Just updates for bugs, and that's what's happening this week. No global release. No official. No uh, full release of Scarlet of PTCG Live, and no shutting down of PTCGO yet. But it doesn't even see. We st- it still seems like PTCG Live is not quite ready for a global or a full release. So it's good, I guess, that the full release isn't coming yet. But it just feels like this feels like such another, just like a. Uh, uh, 
a bad situation where it's like the Scarlet Violet's coming out and now you're like you're forced to migrate. I don't know. It just feels bad. It's not a full release. There's still stuff that's pretty buggy, but now you're kind of forced to go from PDCGR to PDCG Live, even if you didn't want to yet. Yeah, I mean, and it feels like a good natural sending off point in theory, right? Yeah. The end of the old era into the new era of the Pokemon TCG, but the game just still has so many problems. And there was even an update that came out today the day we're recording this podcast and my Twitter feed has just been full of new bugs that <laughs> happened <laughs> because they were preparing for the new Scarlet Violet cards. Like I saw a clip on Twitter of scoop up net, just picking up every card that was attached to a basic Pokemon. And that's probably some coding error with the new penny supporter card that's coming out in Scarlet Violet. So yeah, I don't know. It, it is still a mess, but I mean, Azul and I have both migrated our accounts over. We migrated way back whenever the beta first came out um azul ended up going back to ptcgo and started fresh with a new account because of how bad tcg live was uh i don't know what are you gonna do with that by the way are you gonna like have a new like a second tcg live account or is your like are you gonna give away all your cards on ptcgo maybe i think it's what i'm gonna do tomorrow it's gonna be my, my stream tomorrow just gonna be me opening the scarlet and violet stuff or later today is what i should say i keep like that's like hard to keep in mind that's <laughs> what my stream is gonna be later today open the scarlet and violet stuff opening my cards from CGC and then probably just giving away everything on my PTCG account. Cause I do plan on playing on PTCG live, uh, not on Thursday. Cause I'm going to be traveling to Fort Wayne regionals. But when I get back from, uh, Fort Wayne regionals, I do plan on playing on PTCG live. Cause I want to play with the new set, right? We want to play with this new Scarlet and buy the cards. Everyone does, but you have to do it on PTCG live. Now I would stay on PTCGO if I could, but I can't play with the new cards on PTCGO. So I will be going over to my old account that I already migrated over. Um, you're struggling on these hits so far, Chip. That's not good. <laughs> I'm just going to keep opening while we're doing the podcast. That's my plan um, now. I should have started from the beginning. You know, one more thing we could talk about that we didn't talk about last week, because either it hadn't happened yet, or wait, did we already talk about this? Oh, my gosh. Your memory P is P just M laughable M to me. No, We more... did talk about it. Oh, wait, no, we didn't talk about it. We didn't, we didn't talk, talk about, about it, it because we were going to talk about it with League Cups, and we're not talking about that this week because there's All too right, much so to talk we'll, about this week. We'll talk about it next week. We will. Um, yeah, yeah it would have been actually, this would have been good to talk about it. But we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about this week. A lot to talk about next week. There's a lot of things that happen in the Pokemon TCG. So, so far, <laughs> it doesn't seem great, right? But it's not the full release, so I guess you can make the argument, well, it's still in beta, so it's okay if there's bugs, which is like, okay, I guess, but it's been in beta for a long time now, and even though, and now we can't even Ooh. like choose to stay on the non-buggy client or the less buggy client of PDCGO, uh, we have to <laughs> we have to go to PDCG Live if we want to play the new cards. Which just once again, this, this feels like another just bad situation that is created by poor judgment on TPCI's side of the of creating the PDCG Live client. You have any other thoughts on it, Chip? I just pulled a full art penny from my my booster pack of the new set. <laughs> i don't know man yeah it's a mess we've talked about it so much the last few months on yeah. the podcast um it's a mess and i do hope that there are improvements coming but it's just it just seems like live is the future and we're just gonna have to be dealing with the problems that it has for the foreseeable future um I will say, like, for anyone who's listening and hasn't migrated their account yet, if you're wondering what you need to do to, like, before you migrate to, like, optimize, um, there are lots of videos out there about it. Like, I think Omnipoke made a good video. I yeah. think LDF, Celios Network, tons of other people have all made videos about what to do uh, to optimize your transfer over. The uh, one thing, like, I think, like, the two things 
that I would definitely recommend. Um, if you do nothing else, I would say having as many unopened items in your collection up to 125 as possible yep. would be good. If you have more than 125 unopened items, open up as many things as you can until you get to 125, because otherwise it's just going to go to the void. Um, before you transfer over, I would just scan some trades for maybe 30 minutes or so. And anything you have more than four of that you see a trade for that is going to get you a card. You don't have more than four of just accept the trade because there's no real reason not to. Otherwise the cards are just going to disappear. And I would probably recommend doing that sooner rather than later. Like you don't have to transfer over, but a large majority of people are going to transfer over. So there's going to be way less people for you to trade with um, if you don't transfer um, sooner rather than later, because most people are going to go to live as soon as it comes out tomorrow. Um, and yeah, so having 125 and open items gives you 20, uh, 12,400 crystals, which you can use crystals to buy packs in the shop and to buy the premium battle pass. And the premium battle pass is definitely worth getting. So yeah, worth having that. And then also if you can get four of every celebrations card, including the classic <laughs> collection before you transfer over, it's definitely worth doing. Even if you're not going to be buying any IRL celebrations codes, you can use your crystals to get celebrations codes from the shop in the TCG live game client, uh, which will then get you a lot of really good. Uh, will get you a lot of credits, which credits is the most important thing. Cause that's what helps you build an account, but uh, our build, yeah, build uh... card. Yeah. Yeah, for a bigger, better breakdown on like other ways to like maximize your account, if you're really looking at how to how to be as efficient as possible or as efficient as possible with what you have, Omnipoke, LDF, and Celio's network should all have. I think do all have videos kind of breaking that down. So go check them out on their YouTube channels. I got a another hit. hit chip. A double hit. <laughs> double hit. What is I it? I got the Gyarados EX and the Squovet. Well, Squovet's not a hit, but why is it a hit, Chip? Because people are listening. They don't know. Is there like a Squovet? It's, what? It, it's the it's the alternate. Uh, the trainer. The, the trainer gallery. I don't know what the technical term is for them. Is there a trainer in it? Is it not a trainer gallery? No, it's not a trainer gallery. Oh, just like an alternate art. Yeah, it's Squovet. just a little Squovet curled up on a couch. All right, let's go. It's cute little guy. All right, this, moving this on. This card <laughs> is actually like not bad as well, by the way. Yeah, you can play with uh, B-Barrel. So you can like clean out your hand. Down to one card and then draw four with B barrel. Uh, I don't know if it'll be good if Lost Box is running around. You probably don't want to put like a 70 HP Pokemon on your bench, but yeah, um, it's actually got 60 HP. So, oh, <laughs> so your beat up is gonna get collateral alongside it, just like yeah. go bop bop from Save a Lie. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Poor guy. Um, moving on to guess that flavor text, it is Chip's turn to pick a card for me to guess. But for anyone who doesn't know how guess that flavor text works, uh, one of us picks a card for the other to try and guess what Pokemon the card belongs to. Um, and the first thing we do is we read the flavor text from one of the cards. Uh, and then if you guess it immediately, based on the flavor text, you get four points. If you get it wrong, you get zero, uh, as always. But if you, there's three lifelines that the guesser can use, what set the card is from, what stage the card is, and would read an attack. And for each lifeline you use, you do lose a point. If you get it correctly after that, Chip, you have my flavor text ready for this week? Yeah, I think maybe I should just use one right here. <laughs> Out of the Scarlet and Violet? <laughs> See, it gives you a free lifeline, 
like you don't that even have to use true. it to get a point so it gives you a free lifeline but there's a zero percent chance you know this pokemon. it's also new cards right it's gonna be hard it'll definitely be a little like bit you don't know what new. this pokemon like you don't know that this pokemon exists i bet all right well let's find out then i'm not gonna do it should i do okay. it for, is that good for the content we'll do it for the that content. Is good for the, okay. all right <laughs> for the content so you get a free lifeline effectively here because you know what set this is from yeah okay. here we I'm go i'm not gonna get it though it's from the pack i just opened up this Pokemon is smooth and moist to the touch. Yeast <laughs> in blank's breath induces fermentation in the Pokemon's vicinity. Mike, I have no clue. I'm trying to think it through. Like, I know some of the starter Pokemon, but I don't know their names. I know, like, Fue Coco, uh, Quaxley, Quaxavala, or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. That's a Pokemon for sure. I don't uh I'm trying to think about I, I just yeah, I just have no clue. I just have no clue. Oh no wait. No, I don't know. <clears throat> uh just you yeah, want what it stage again? is the card? What stage is the card? It is a basic. Give me an attack name. <laughs> Springy. Springy? I'm gonna go ahead and no, I was gonna guess LeChonk, but I don't think it's LeChonk. Springy. Its attack is springy. Um I'm going to read the flavor text one more time for anyone at right, home. Go ahead. This Pokemon is smooth and moist to the touch. Yeast in blank's breath induces fermentation in the Pokemon's vicinity. Dude, I have no clue. All right. No points for you, but I'm going to show you the, the picture and see if you can guess it, okay? Well, I cover up the name and show me the picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's Fido. <laughs> it's Fido. It's Fido. <laughs> oh, wait, I could have guessed that. Well, you oh didn't. Oh, my gosh. I definitely could have got that. Oh, my gosh. It's Springy. <clears throat> I don't know about, I don't know why it's attacking him as Springy. I guess because it's like. It's springy. Dope. During your opponent's next turn, this Pokemon takes 30 less damage from attacks. Oh. Pretty good. Springy. Does it survive a cram hit? Bro, it's got 60 HP. Oh my gosh! Dude, all these Pokemon with these attacks that like reduce the damage they take still always get knocked out by Cram. Like, <laughs> give them a little bit more damage reduction or a little bit more HP. Gosh! I only have two more packs in the CTB, so I'm gonna keep going. All right, <clears throat> go send ahead, us, finish them up, Chip. Send us to the next section. Oh, I got a Spinops. Spinops is such a weird looking Pokemon. It's it's feet look like I got a nest ball too. You know, Push Pops. Its feet look like push pops. Bro, side note here as well. We talked about cookout a lot this weekend, like with <laughs> the casters, because I told everyone to go to cookout because it's like, you know, they're in North Carolina. And what's well, like um, webbing coming out of its feet? Remember, never mind. The the milkshake I get at cookout is the orange push up milkshake because it tastes like the orange Flintstones push pop that I used to get like back when I was in <laughs> elementary school. <laughs> it tastes just like it. It's so good. I don't know if anyone remembers those. But anyway, I remember those. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, from there, we can move on. Um, and this is definitely like a bit more of a serious note. Um, and this is kind of a tough situation to talk about as well. Just from my perspective as well. I do want to say um before we go any further, I'm not a Pokemon Company employee. I do not speak for Pokemon. I do not speak for Play Pokemon. 
Uh, all of my thoughts and opinions are my own. And this situation is a little unique as well because I was like kind of around uh, and like seeing some pieces of the situation as it was unfolding. Uh, unfortunately, like, I don't really think I'm able to say much to that. Um, I'm not trying to get in trouble and it is against Pokemon's policy to like for judges and stuff to share things. I, I'm not a judge technically, but I assume those things extend to me. Um, so yeah, I don't speak for the Pokemon company. But I was around and backstage, and so just by proxy, like, saw parts of this situation unfold. Uh, but this is a situation that has blown up massively in the Pokemon community this week, and that is a situation with a player called Makani Tran. He was 5-0 and at um, Charlotte Regionals. He got picked to be on stream, and he was playing a unique Arceus deck. He was playing up against Alex Shemansky, who was playing like the Intellion box deck. So there's two good players. Makani's a really solid player. He's gotten a couple top eights this year. I think two top eights this year. Maybe it was one last, I think it was one last season and then he got like top four at Baltimore this year or something like that. Um, yeah, at least the Baltimore. Yeah. Oh, Baltimore and San Diego, I think actually. San, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Because that was, the, yeah, San Diego's when he was playing the Arceus, the first iteration of this Arceus deck and he's been playing it for pretty much this entire format. Um and then before we go any further, we're not going to talk too much about um, like the second bit of Makani's post, but just a little bit of a content warning uh, for anyone who maybe doesn't want to listen to it. There's going to be a little light discussion just about um, suicidal thoughts. Um, we're not going to spend too much time dwelling on it, but just want to throw that out there for anyone who doesn't want to hear any of those things. Um, so Makani, uh, I'm just going to read his twit longer. Uh, not the whole thing, just the beginning of it, because um, the second part goes into some of those things we were talking about that we don't want to speak on so much. We're going to focus very much on like the Pokemon side of things and like the tournament, what happened at the tournament and that led to him being disqualified from the event um, from his point of view. We should also say as well, all we have right now to work on is this account of what happened. Um because Pokemon will most likely not release a statement about this. Um, I would, I don't know. I, they, they just never have. So I don't know why there's a reason to think they would. Maybe they will. They never have, though. Um, but this situation also is a little before we, I guess I read the tweet longer. It's like gotten way bigger than I think anyone initially yeah. thought <laughs> it would. I mean, just looking at Makani's two tweets, he tweet, he posted one tweet with his initial tweet longer. Charlotte Regional Disqualification with the link to the Twitlonger. 1.2 million views on Twitter. And I guess we have Elon to thank for, <laughs> for that, the <laughs> fact that we can publicly see the views. Uh, and then he did tweet it again, this time with a, a trigger warning tag for some suicidal thoughts and actions. That one has 384,000 views. So over one and a half million views on this thing. I mean, is that maybe the biggest piece of Pokemon TCG competitive news ever? I think so. Yeah, it's like the biggest, uh, probably the most it's ever uh, any Pokemon story or anything like that has ever reached the mainstream. I can't imagine anything being bigger than this ever, right? Like, uh, oh, maybe the like now that I thought about it, maybe that one clip of what 
what uh Sable Kyle said on stream. <laughs> like that's the only that's like that's the only bigger thing I can ever think about that ever happened in the Pokemon oh, gosh. uh TCG or Pokemon community in general. Bro, that like, wasn't TCG, even TCG. that big. You just think it was big because XQC watched it on stream. That makes it pretty big, bro. If XQC watched it on stream, like um, but no, this is probably the biggest the biggest thing ever. I mean, I've already seen like some like esports news sites pick it up. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if it hit a couple mainstream uh, news channels as well. Like I think it's definitely possible um, for sure for this to be picked up. But yeah, if you want to go ahead and read the the first part of the uh, the tweet longer from Makani. <clears throat> All right. So it's titled, hey, uh, it's titled Charlotte Regional's Disqualification. Hey, everyone. I know you all have a lot of questions about everything that happened this weekend, and I'm sorry I couldn't inform you all on what went down sooner. I've put a lot of thought and caution into making this. It's a topic I don't take lightly, and it's not something that should just be messed about. With that being said, here's everything that happened that led to the head judge DQing me from the regionals and escorting me out of the venue. It all started round six. I was 5-0, and oh, and I had just hit Alex Shemansky, a very well-known player, as well as a very skilled player. With all this in mind, I was obviously a bit nervous. Keep in mind, I've been on stream two times prior, but it's still always nerve-wracking being in front of so many people. I went to my table, and I saw Alex and a judge standing there, and the judge informed us that we were going to be playing on stream. I was excited, of course, and we started to walk over to the stream area. On our way over to the stream area, the judge asked us for our preferred pronouns. I said, uh, he or him, and uh, and I paused, trying to think of the third pronoun, the third pronoun being his. As I just stood there looking stupid, trying to think of the third pronoun, I felt embarrassed because I was failing to think of a simple word. Due to the nerves and me being embarrassed, I let out a little laugh, just as a normal nervous laugh. My response together ended up being, uh, he or him or uh, haha, his. That's it. That's all I said. Anyways, after that, we continued to walk and we reached the stream area. Just to clarify, the judge asks once more, what are your guys' preferred pronouns? Alex says he and him, and I say, uh, yeah, he and him, haha. The little laugh at the end was because I was trying to not be awkward and because I was just stating the exact thing Alex had just stated, and it was kind of silly to me in that scenario. In this scenario, I was also reminded of when I was on stream for Top 8 in Baltimore earlier this season. When I was on stream, no one asked me for my pronouns, so to be safe, the commentators referred to me as they slash them. My friends made fun of me sometimes for this, just lighthearted jokes, because it embarrassed me a bit because those weren't my pronouns. To clarify, I have zero issue with people's pronouns and how they choose to identify and express themselves. I have never had issues with it and never will because at the end of the day, it's their choice and it doesn't affect my life. As long as people are happy, I'm happy. Keep this in mind while reading, please. Back to the event. Alex and After Alex and I gave our response for the second time, the judge looked at me and said, okay, just wanted to check to be safe. I go by they, them, so don't be a jerk about it. They smiled after this and gave me no signs whatsoever of being upset or uncomfortable. When they said, don't be a jerk about it, I thought they were just saying in general, like in the future or something. I had no clue I had upset them and had no intention to do so whatsoever. I thought nothing of this because to me it was just a normal conversation that people have before going on stream. It was basically just like how San Diego went before I went on stream. We go on stage, get set up, fist pump, and play the game one. I brick most of the game and end up scooping to save time. I felt very comfortable going into game two matchup wise and felt like I had a very good chance at winning the match after seeing what Alex's deck was made of. I say, I'll go second and we pick up and start shuffling for game two. 
Then I see a few judges walking over to the stage and they get on stage and one starts talking to Alex. Alex and I are both extremely confused because we have no clue what's happening. At first, I thought he must have had a decklist error or something because the judge was only talking to him. They told me to keep my headphones on during this so that I couldn't hear what they were saying to Alex. Then one of the judges puts a headset on and asks me, Makani, what was said to the judge when they asked you your pronouns? This is when I begin to get a bit worried and wondered if I had done something wrong. I answered the question. I said, I said, he, him. The judge then asked me if there was anything else I said, and they wanted to know what my tone was during the conversation. They said, this is very important that I answer this truthfully. I said, the only thing that I might've done that could have been taken the wrong way was when I laughed a bit and told them that I was just nervous. The judge then told me to walk off the stage and talk off stage. I was still confused during this and even more confused when I see two more players walking on the stage to take Alex and my spots. This has never happened before, at least from what I've heard. I walk behind the curtains by the stage and the head judge, can't remember his name, asks me exactly what was said. I explain what happened and that the nervous laugh was because I was embarrassed and because of what went down in Baltimore. During this, I was very polite and calm. I made sure to get uh, to clearly get my point across and made it extremely clear that I had no intention whatsoever of harming or upsetting anyone. I explained that I have absolutely nothing against people's pronouns and I never have. There was no incentive I could have possibly had, especially since I had just recently earned my invite. Why would I try to lose that? The head judge seemed to understand, so I was a bit relieved, but then he pulls out the rule book on his phone and says that due to me violating their inclusive policy and due to me making someone feel unsafe and uncomfortable, I was disqualified from the event. I was just in disbelief. I remember saying, wait, what? I was so confused as I had just explained very calmly what had happened, and he seemed like he was listening. I was stunned, and I asked to sit down in a nearby chair to process what was going on. I still had a bit of hope left and said, is there any way I can appeal this? And I again stated how I was really sorry if I upset someone and that I had zero malicious intent whatsoever and that I had nothing against people's pronouns. At this point, my message was very clear. I had no intention whatsoever to offend or hurt anyone. And I was truly sorry if someone interpreted it wrong. And then it's a lot longer. <laughs> I'm not really going to read more. I mean, we can maybe read more of it, but um, do you just want to interject Azul and break it up? And if you have anything you want to say, no, I mean, it, I don't know if we have to read any longer. You can, if you want, um, I'm trying to just skim through to see what the important things are. Some of this is pretty much what happens from this point on is Makani talks about how he eventually, um, is escorted out of the venue. Um, and this is where he, you know, starts to, I mean, we're not going to talk about it much, but yeah, starts to have some, you know, sad thoughts. I do want to say that, uh, if anyone is ever having, is ever upset about situations like this. Suicide is never the answer. There are so many resources out there. Please, please, please know that that is never, never, never the answer to any, you know, bad situations that could come up in your life. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mess of a situation. And like we said there, we do only have one side of the story, but, um, maybe the, I don't know. I, I feel like I've talked a lot, so as we'll <laughs> interject whatever whatever <laughs> right. thoughts you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we yeah. So that is like an important thing in a lot of scenarios. I do want to say with that though that in these situations with Pokemon, we will only ever have one side of the story, and that's kind of the tweet that I made. Um, um, I hope Makani's doing better right now, and um, you know, hope he still plans to you know continue to attend 
future Pokemon tournaments and stuff like that, because I know he really enjoys the game, puts a lot of effort into it. Um, if we only have one side of the story, or, but as of right now, as far as we know, we'll only ever have one side of the story because Pokemon never releases any articles or statements about DQs or bans or anything that's going on ever. Um, and when you have a when you have a post like this from Makani, that seems like they were definitely um, kind of done wrong in this situation because um, it definitely does not seem what the uh, was it inclusivity clause in the rules or whatever is trying to protect people at Pokemon tournaments from. Um, it's hard to not just end up going, you know, after reading Makani's post, it's it, it's kind of hard to just not be like, well, um, with this information, um, it's hard to not be on Makani's side. Um, but it's not like, okay, the Pokemon company is usually a little bit slow with their um, responses to these DQs and bans. Let's wait, you know, we'll be like, you know, you want to feel sorry for makani but you know we should definitely wait and see the whole story but the thing is we'll never get the whole story because pokemon's never going to say anything so uh it really just makes the um the judges and tournament staff whoever was like specifically involved with this not everyone obviously um kind of look like the bad guys in this situation and it's kind of hard to and that's the way a lot of people are going to look at it and and feel about it and and i think it's okay for people to make mistakes even the the judges and tournament staff or whatever who who are maybe possible for this being a mistake um it's it's fine to make mistakes you know we can only uh progress from here and get uh, better like people are calling for the judges to like never be able to judge tournaments again and like that the tos are terrible and all this stuff which is just like ridiculous like that's like a ridiculous reach <laughs> like i think it's definitely possible if this is the what happened that it is definitely possible some staff and judges made mistakes this does not sound like a reasonable solution to what happened in Makani's situation. Also, on top of that, it doesn't seem like uh, it seems like Makani was based on those based on what Makani said that Makani was probably getting DQ'd before they even talked to Makani because it sounds like Makani stated the side of the story and then the head judge was like, "Okay, and you're getting DQ'd because you broke this rule." Um, and th th that does not sound like at all like what the inclusivity, uh, you know, whatever it's called, uh, policy in the Pokemon rule book is supposed to protect from. Cause like then theoretically, if I just sat down and my opponent was, you know, wearing a purple shirt and I don't like purple shirts then I could be like, well, um, you're going to have to get DQ'd for this one. Right. Like it's not supposed to be for like situations where people are actually, um, you know, being offensive or um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like better words to use here, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like this is those kind of situations where this is supposed to be a reason to DQ someone over. Um, once again, don't have the full story. We're never gonna have the full story. So I feel like that's kind of an irrelevant point is, oh, we don't have the full story yet. So how can we truly say that, you know, what Makani is saying is true? What's well, like, well, if no one else is going to come out and speak their truth on the other side of it, then we can only work with Makani's story. Makani's story. Now, if Makani's story was like off the wall and absolutely ridiculous, we'd maybe dig a little bit deeper into it. But I think Makani's story is pretty reasonable. So until someone says something else, I think it's pretty easy to assume here that Makani was wrong. You're muted, Chip. <laughs> Sorry, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, like I said, I, I can't really comment too much on it, uh, in regards to what may or may not have happened, because I was a little bit more involved in, like, I, I was not involved in the situation in the sense of like making a decision or even speaking to judges or tournament organizers. I was just backstage as the decision was being made pretty not not as I shouldn't say that I was backstage as things were unfolding and just from a distance 
witnessed conversations being had, did not hear anything, witnessed people talking, so on and so forth. Um, I did want to bring up, uh, so probably besides Makani and obviously the person who he was interacting with, which by one other thing I did want to mention as well, by the way, um, I've seen a, several people, I think this did kind of get snubbed out pretty quickly, which is good, but a lot of people were initially uh, identifying Sable Creech as the person who this interaction took place with. And I do want to say, because uh, I think Sable, from what they told me, experienced a little bit of like harassment from people falsely identifying them as the person involved in this. Sable was barely involved in this situation. Sable was not the judge that Makani's talking about in his story. So I just want to put that out there um, because I don't think anyone receiving harassment in general at all is good, but especially not for something that they had little to do with. Um, yeah, that's kind of ridiculous that people are going out of their way to like try and it's like a, start a witch hunt, like a mistake, to like figure out who was involved. Yeah, in these even if spots, you know yeah. for sure who they for sure who they were, like even if Makani had like called them out in the post by name, there's no reason to witch hunt. And people these. are going out of their way already to like contact <laughs> attacked, like the head judge's place of work and stuff like that. Like that's just too. Yeah, like, so... we, sh we shouldn't be doing that for sure. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like mistakes happen. Mistakes happen all the time. There's no reason that we have to like crucify someone over, um, over a mistake. Um, you know, like this. Like, I mean, it's it would be cool to see, you know, an official post made by Play Pokemon or whatever saying like, um, we felt like there was a, you know, wrongdoing in the outcome of this judge call. And even if the if the judge came forward, the judges who were involved, the staff that was involved, came out forward and apologized for is happening this way or you know like they could maybe have a post and saying you know maybe makani was out of line with some of the stuff that uh that he said and maybe it was more deserving than we think well, of course we only have makani's side of the story we're always only going to probably have makani's side of the story but yeah even if we don't get anything from anyone um yeah there's never any reason to like, harass people and try and hunt them down and witch hunt them on twitter or facebook or whatever other socials um calling their their place of work or trying to even find that out is just weird um like and yeah it's just weird like you have to have something better you can you can do with your time um that's just bizarre to me that anyone would ever feel the need to try and do that um and i think it's fine if the staff that was involved continues to staff pokemon tournaments from here on out i don't think because i saw people like calling for them to never like judge tournaments again i think like as long as uh everyone is always willing to like learn and improve as a person there's never any reason to know crucify the person to the to that kind of extent especially in this kind of situation so stop yeah. being weird and just grow up <laughs> i don't know that's kind of all i got on that yeah i mean i saw a lot of people saying like once again just going based off makani's side of the story because that's all they have um saying like this should have been used as a a teaching moment right this should have been used as not an opportunity to disqualify this player but as an opportunity to uh, teach them something like to help them grow and improve yeah. and then in the same breath seeing people going after like posting where these people like where the head judges work and like saying like this person should never judge again and stuff like that it's just like how can you want one person to grow but not the other you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i will one so like the only other person besides um the person in makani's story makani himself that can really attest to what happened is his opponent in the round, Alex Shemansky, because um, he was at least in the vicinity as things were happening. Um, I don't know. I mean, Alex did tweet publicly, publicly, but he has locked his Twitter down since then. Um, 
but pretty much what he said, I'm not going to show his tweets just because he has locked them down. Pretty, He said in his thoughts, his first tweet was, should McConaughey have been DQ'd? I don't think so. And then he also, when someone asked about like the situation, his tone and stuff like that, Alex did also say, honestly, I can see how someone would have been offended from his tone and speech patterns during the whole sequence of events. But I know McConaughey well enough that I don't think he meant any harm or had malicious intent. Um, so, I mean, that definitely paints a little bit more of a picture, right? Like, I mean, yeah. from McConaughey's story, you wouldn't think that you would think it was ridiculous that anyone would have taken offense to what he said. But then from just one other third party, you can see like it's it, that is reasonable to wh how whatever his tone was, whatever his laugh is, he, he you know, paints it as a nervous laugh. It may have been a nervous laugh um alex seems to have maybe thought that that wasn't the case like i'm not trying to put words in anyone's mouth but like he seems to have been able to grasp if someone didn't know who mccani was they could have maybe taken the way he was speaking in this conversation of uh as offense right um yeah um i, I don't really have anything else to say on it i think that kind of covers uh everything all my thoughts on it yeah don't be weird um, as far as I can tell, it's definitely a unfortunate situation for Makani. Uh, and hopefully, I mean, there's going to kind of situation where like, you hope that's kind of something kind of comes from it for Makani. Um, and maybe this is kind of like the turning point. Like we just had a turning point, right? We can now, teams can now wear their jerseys on stage, right? We just had a turning point, which is like Pokemon, TPCI, whoever kind of, uh, getting with the times, um, and kind of, uh, doing all that. Right. So maybe we'll have another turning point. Because um, like we've seen in like we've seen from other games, uh, Magic specifically, they actually like do uh, I don't know what do you call it not a press release like an article or like a, they make a yeah. statement basically on like DQs and bans and stuff. Um, or at least they have before, and that's what James tweeted about. James Arnold tweeted about that. It's like in the past, Wizards of the Coast has made statements about players DQs and bans from major tournaments. Uh, maybe this is finally the point where it's like. Pokemon kind of maybe has to or needs to say something and hopefully will hopefully say things in the future about um, bans and DQs and so on. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like, I don't think that would be a bad thing because it almost holds a Pokemon more accountable, right? Uh, because if you're not willing to make a post to say why you disqualified someone from a tournament, then they maybe shouldn't be disqualified, you know? Um, I don't know. Like in this this Magic the Gathering thread that James posted, you know, it's very clear and concise and it's like irrefutable and it shows the process a little bit as well. It's like during a deck check in round 15 at Mythic Championship 2, the judge staff noticed an issue with uh, Wanatabe's deck where the sleeves of his power plants were marked in a specific way. Three Uzra Mines and one Uzra Tower had different marking and three Uzra Towers and one Uzra Mine also had a different marking. No other cards in the deck or sideboard had any of these marks. So, I mean, this is like a marked sleeve situation, right? And the judge staff determined that the odds of this happening by accident were so close to non-existent and disqualified Wanatabe from the event. That is, you know, three sentences, and it automatically quells any potential arguments someone could have, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I think it would be, I think it would be a great thing if Pokemon would do this, but there have been multiple players very publicly disqualified from tournaments the last year, and this has not happened yet. 
yeah that would be nice to see something like this put out i don't know if they still do that um that'd be actually cool to know if uh which of the coast still makes these kind of um statements on dqs and bands and all that kind of stuff even at even if like someone in the comment section i'm sure knows so if you know or someone who's listening to this knows so if you know and you're on youtube leave a comment let us know how they handle it in magic currently or even like uh Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm, i'd be curious about that as well how do they handle it in like Yu-Gi-Oh? or one piece has been like the big popular card game recently has there been any dqs and bans yeah they're already banning uh, people from one piece <laughs> Yeah, does are there statements made about it? Like, what is the what does the process look like in other games um, with this kind of stuff? I'd definitely be curious to know um, what everyone else is doing in the competitive card game space. Um, yeah, I've heard about Magic doing this in the past. I'm sure they would still do it. I'm sure they still do it. It'd be cool to see Pokemon do that as well themselves um, moving forward. And this might be like that tipping point, right? Where it's like, all right, we probably should make a statement on this one specifically. But if we do it on this one, we have to do it with all future ones. It's like, all right, maybe we just do it with all future DQs and bands at major tournaments. And with that, I mean, I think that's um, just about everything for the episode as well, unless you have any final thoughts. No, I think that's it. I think that's good to close it out. I'm excited for next week or this weekend to be the final weekend of extended uh, Lugia format and uh, finally get into that post-rotation uh, or so rotation format. So excited to just play Lost Box one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Lost Box. I don't know. Something else would be fine as well. I'm not like I'm not like tied to Lost Box, but yeah, excited to be done with this format finally and playing with the new stuff. That's actually what, one thing that kind of sucks is like we don't get to go through the full process of the new format because it like is evolving alongside yeah. us evolving our current meta, and then we'll, by the time we finally get our hands on it, like. Like Maridon was like the BDIF to start off with, right? Or like the most hyped deck. And so it was like Lost Zone Tina. But we never got to experience those decks seeming to be good in the meta and kind of be part of their meta evolution. We just kind of like don't get to play that. So I'm kind of a, uh, I feel like that's kind of unfortunate. But yeah, I'm excited to finally play on, not play on live, but play with the new cards next week. I'll be streaming and making videos and all that when I get back from Fort Wayne. Back on the content grind. All right, guys. Well, we really appreciate everyone listening. We appreciate the support as always. If you do enjoy the podcast, we'd really appreciate you showing that support by leaving us a review or a rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Super quick and easy to do. And yeah, it's the best way to help us out. And it's totally free. Um, if you want to stay connected with us, the best place to do that is going to be over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can also follow the Uncommon Energy podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yeah, thanks for the support as always. Good luck to anyone going to one of the many major events happening this weekend. And we'll catch you all next Tuesday back on schedule. Hopefully, I actually don't know what time I get back from Fort Wayne. So maybe we're looking at... <laughs> Would this be back-to-back-to-back Wednesday episodes? No, back-to-back, right? Yeah, I don't think, unless, I don't know, it depends on how early you're going to EUIC, what we do there, but. Hopefully, I will catch, we'll catch y'all next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Eastern, possibly Wednesday, but hopefully we'll be back to the normal (laughs) Tuesday schedule. See ya. See ya.